Yes, we praise you, God. Forever worthy, we sing it, we believe it. You are worthy of it all. Worthy of our song this morning, worthy of our attention and our affection as we read through your word, Lord. We pray that it would move in power, that it would convict us and change us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 is our scripture for today. We're going to look at verses 25 down through verse 34, Lord willing. And remember, this is the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, accompanied that. And Jesus is giving instructions to the disciples, instructions about how life is to be, about what the kingdom of God is. And verses 25 through 34, it's very, very obvious, it's clear that Jesus does not want his people to be uh, controlled by worry. He does not want us controlled with anxiety. He wants his people to not cross the line between what they're able to do and what God is only able to do. He wants them to rest in an unfettered, uh, peaceful, and free position with things. So, when we begin to worry and we are controlled with anxiety, we cross a line between what is God's responsibility and what is our responsibility. And so Jesus lays it out very well here, and he gives us nine facts and practices for us to put into place so that we can uh, grow in uh, trusting and not worrying. We can grow in depending and not being full of anxiety. It is possible. I'm sure that every single one of us here today struggle with worry or anxiety at some point, but, but if we will apply these things, we will put ourselves in a position that we can receive the Lord's help. The first lesson is this. Life is more than what we worry about. It's not about us. And when it is about us, when we are overwhelmed with worry about ourselves, uh, we, are, we are obviously focusing too much on ourselves. And if we focus too much on ourselves, we are going to struggle with worry and anxiety. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he says right up front, do not be anxious about your life. There you go. That may be the only thing for us to work on today. If we are anxious and if we are uh, full of worry, if we're controlled by anxiety and worry, there's a good possibility that we are thinking way too much about our lives. We're thinking way too much about us, and we're preoccupied with ourselves. And throughout Scripture, we see Jesus teaching us and showing us that in every aspect of life, we need to take ourselves out of the equation. And, and you're going to fail in trying to get a hold of anxiety and worry if you're always thinking about you. You're always thinking about your life. What happens to you? What might happen to you? What possibly could happen to you? And if you just obsess with it, you're going to have a hard time. So the very first thing he says is, don't be anxious about your life. It's healthier to be anxious about other people's lives than your own life. Be concerned about other people more than yourself. 
And so he says, don't be anxious about your own life. And then he says, don't worry about what you eat, drink, what you put on, because in life more than food and drink, in life more than clothes. And that's just an indication that says there's something so far beyond us that is real, that is present, that we need to be focused on. And that is, of course, the things of the kingdom of God. Life is more than the things that we worry about. Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing. So that's the first thing he says to us. The second thing he says to us, very practical. He has two real practical explanations here, applications here for his illustrations. Verse 26, look at the birds. <laughs> I love that. Look at the birds. It, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the creator of the world, says to us, if you want help with worry and anxiety, look at the birds. Jesus is telling you today that if you don't have a bird feeder, when you leave church, go get one. That's what he's telling you. Go buy you a bird feeder and buy you some bird seed and put it out in your front yard, your backyard, wherever you put, put it out there, and every single day, sit down and look at them birds. Now, you says, well, what, you know, what's going on here? Well, first of all, the bird feeder is not for the birds. It's for you. Bird feeders and the seed is not for us. It's for, it's not for the birds. It's for us, okay? Because God's taking care of them. And God doesn't need us to have bird feeders. Do you realize that if we chunked away all our bird seed and all our bird feeders, the birds would still be okay? Are you aware of that? So go get your bird feeder, especially if your assignment after today is to find some freedom away from anxiety and worry. Jesus said, Go to get you a bird feeder, set it up, put some bird seed in it, get your favorite outside chair, sit in it, and just watch and wait for the birds to come. Jesus said, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of the birds, even when, it, you know, we, we've never run out of birds, have we? Have you ever lived anywhere where birds just were all over the pavement because of malnutrition? Have you ever seen a time when, when all the birds starved to death? I, I've never seen a bird laying on the ground that starved to death. I've seen some birds that were victim to a cat. I've seen some birds victim to shotgun. I've seen some birds victim to running into the window or something, running into your car, but, but I've never seen a bird that, I've never seen 10 birds or 15 birds just laying in the yard that died of no food. Look at the birds. That's what Jesus is saying. That's very simple, isn't it? I mean, we don't have to think about that much. But that, if Jesus takes care of the birds, how much more is he going to take care of you? So you don't have to be full of worry. You don't have to be full of anxiety. You don't have to be, un you don't have to be fettered up. You don't have to be controlled. You don't have to be paralyzed by overanalyzing everything. You know, overanalysis creates paralysis. 
Jesus just says, look at the birds. And then the third thing he says in verse 26, now, aren't you more valuable than they? Wow, that's something to soak in. That's something to let penetrate us. Are you not of more value than they are? God loves them birds. God takes care of those birds. There's plenty of feed. There's plenty of water. They may have to travel some, but he's going to provide it. Since that is true, Jesus says, look at the birds. Since that's true, then aren't you more valuable to me than those birds? That's what Jesus is saying. And so look at the birds transitions into recognize your value. So part of being controlled by worry and anxiety is that we don't recognize our value to God. And we need to, as we sit there in that chair and look at the birds, think about how valuable we are to God, how valuable we are. Then we see in verse 27, this is a fact to consider. This is part of the ammunition that you will load into your life to help be able to, to not be controlled by worry and anxiety. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So Jesus just lays it out there for us and says, you can worry all you want. You can be sideways with your worry. You can be out of control with your worry. You can worry all you want. But what benefit is one moment of worry? Anyone added to their life because of worry? Anyone's life better because they are over, they're overwhelmed with worry or anxiety? That's what Jesus says here. He says, it, you can't add anything to your life through anxiety. Matter of fact, it's just going to do the opposite. It's going to take away from your life. And so that's the fourth thing he lays out there for us. Does worry add anything to your life? So practice those four things. Begin right there. Then next week, maybe begin with the next uh, five things. But the, Number one, life is more than we worry about. That's number one. Get that in mind. Don't worry about your life. Take yourself out of it. Start thinking about other people. Start helping other people. Get your focus off yourself and get them onto the needs of other people. Look at the birds. Get you a feeder. Get you some feed. It may be one of the cheapest counseling sessions you'll, you'll pay for this year. Lay it out there. And just remember, train yourself, teach yourself, saturate yourself with these words. You are more valuable than the birds. When that robin shows up in all that red glory, you're more valuable. When those beautiful pairs of doves come in, all fat and sassy, you're more valuable. When the blue jay comes along and, and drives everybody away, you're more valuable. I've got a woodpecker that drives me crazy, always pecking on wood. Every now and then he'll come over there and get some of the seed. He's beautiful, got a red little face here, got some markings on him. You're more valuable. You're more valuable. So let those words of Jesus penetrate your life. If I take care of the birds, by George, I'm going to take care of you. And then add to the mix, sitting there looking at the birds, 
Does worry ever benefit us? No. That's what Jesus had to say. All right. Next thing to add to your arsenal. Verses 28 through 30. He said, look at the birds. And now he says, man, consider the lilies of the field. Consider. He says, look at the birds, would be observe them. Consider. He says, consider. In verse 28 there, he says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. That means that you're going to weigh all the different aspects of that lily. Think about the lily of the field. What does the lily of the field need? Needs dirt, needs air, needs sunshine, needs water, needs nutrients in the soil. There's, it's, there's a lot that it needs. There's a, lot, there's a lot there that you've got to have in place for the lily to come out. What does the lily do to get any of that? Does the lily have a tractor? No. Right? Common sense. Does the lily need anybody to help it? No. It's just the lily and God. It says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Those are neat words. And the people in Jesus' day, when they said toil or spin, they knew what this was about. Because they didn't go to Abercrombie Fitch and get them a t-shirt. Or Walmart, or Tractor Supply, or Duluth Trader. Duluth Trader's got some of the finest shirts there is. I should get a, a check for that. Toil nor spin. Toil, work. Now, in Jesus' day, if you were going to make a garment, it was hard work. It's hard work. You got to spin the yarn. You got to make the shirt or the dress or whatever it is you're putting together, the garment. You had to work hard. It's a full-time job. And, and here are these lilies of the field are fully clothed, and they neither toil nor spin. So what Jesus is saying here, why in the world do y'all toil and spin? Why do you toil and spin with worry and anxiety? Look, observe, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Lilies of the field, beautiful. They bloom. There's color. It's just wonderful, isn't it, to see a lily of the field come forth. Even in the, even in the driest desert, when it does rain, the colors are spectacular. I mean, if you hear it's raining out in the desert somewhere, get in your car and go out there and have a look at them. Unbelievable what God does. Those, those plants, those weeds that are vibrant in color, those cactuses, they may lay dormant for years or, you know, for two or three years, however long it's been since they've had enough rain. But when they get rain, oh, man, they stand up and praise God. He says there in verse 30, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, Will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, oh, you have a little faith. So there's a connection between the worrying and the anxiety and faith and trusting God. He wants them to be people of faith. 
He wants them to trust him for all their daily needs. So, Jesus says, look at the birds and look at the lilies of the field. Consider the lilies of the field. And then in verse 31, he says, now, he concludes there, oh, you little faith. And then in verse 31, he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we will wear. For the Gentiles seek after these things. Now, in the context here of the Gentiles, he's not talking about people other than Jew. He's talking about unbelievers. Jesus says here, live like a believer, not like an unbeliever. And being controlled by worry and anxiety is like living like an unbeliever. They seek the things. They're going to worry. They're going to press forward. They're going to toil and spin for food, for clothing, for water, and all those things because they have no other choice because they don't have faith in God. But you need to live differently, Jesus says. He wants us to live differently than the unbelievers. And we need to trust him. Now, look what Jesus says here. For the Gentiles, in verse 32, seek after all these things, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So that's the next thing. Don't live like an unbeliever. And then our Father knows what we need. He's never caught off guard. Y'all realize that? God, we never go to God and says, God, you know, this is happening in my life. He goes, oh, gosh, I didn't know that was going to take place. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? I mean, what do we do? I mean, this is horrible. I can't believe I dropped the ball on this. I didn't realize that you were about to go. God's never like that, right? We're like that, but God's never that way. I mean, God never surprised. He's never outgunned. He's never outmanned. He always knows what is going to take place and what we need. And so that's why we need to seek him with all of our heart so we can be prepared for what is going to happen. Because God already knows what we need. He's never surprised. He's never confused. He's, he's, he, he's never, you know, awakened to that sobering phone call that says, what are you going to do now? He's God. He's God. He says, instead of living like the Gentile in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't go after your needs. Go after the kingdom. Go after what Jesus wants. Be wholehearted in him. And he's going to take care of all those things that we are now worrying about. He'll handle them. He knows what's best for us. Now, it may not be the way we want to work out, but he knows better about what we need than we know. So seek the kingdom. Don't worry. Seek the kingdom. Philippians 4 says, don't worry. Turn your worry into prayer. And so whatever you're worrying about, whatever you have anxiety about, turn that into prayer. And then you will experience the peace that passes all understanding. Those are the words of the Lord. And then the ninth thing, just practical, going to leave us with this. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day in is its own trouble. 
if you worry days ahead, you're going to have a hard time. If you're, if you're controlled by worry to the point that you worry about tomorrow and you worry about the next day and you worry about the next day, Jesus here says we're making a mistake. We can't handle that. We're not created to handle that. God is, we're not. Leave that worry, that anxiety to God. How's it going to work out in the conflict? How's it going to work out in the school? How's it going to work out next week in the, in the company? And, and how are we going to deal with this relational problem? How's all this going to come together? If it's, if it's something you're worried about for next week or next month or maybe even next year, Jesus says, not Lee. Lee didn't write these words. Lee's not this smart. He didn't put all this together. Jesus, the Son of God, says, tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. You just live today. Now, you can plan for tomorrow, but you can't worry about tomorrow. You can think about what your to-do list for next week to make something take place. Sure, get after it, but not with worry or anxiety. Jesus says that. So the nine things he says, important for us to understand. Life is more than what we worry about. Learn from the birds You are more valuable than the birds. Can worry and anxiety add anything to your life? Learn. Consider the lilies of the field, how they're arrayed in beauty. Don't be like an unbeliever with worry and anxiety. Our Father knows what we need. Seek the kingdom first. And tomorrow has enough problems of its own. So stay with today. The big picture here is this. Jesus is telling us we need to be objective and not subjective. When we're subjective, opinions over rules. When we're subjective, how we feel is the, is the, is the initiator in what we, how we process information. Subjective is the circumstances. Subjective is the very best that so-and-so can do, the very best that we can do. Subjective has to do with our ability, basically. And when we're subjective, other people's opinions of us can really harass us and torment us, and how we feel at the moment can decide how things are going to go. And, and what we see can make, can make the difference. We can't see beyond what we see, and we're being subjective and not objective with faith. Objective is how things really are, the facts, the truth of the matter. So here's here's objective thinking when it comes to worry and anxiety. Is there anything that can happen that God can't handle? Is there anything that can happen that God can't handle? The answer is no. With God, there are no sinkable ships. With God, there are no ends to the situation. With God, the very worst thing that you think could ever, ever happen to you, and God still has enough power and strength and endurance to help us move along. Now, that's a tall order there, isn't it? That, that's a promise that, that I'm saying to you is available that really stretches us sometimes. 
So the very worst thing that you could ever think about happens in your life. God is not defeated. That's objective. But now, if you fall to pieces when that very worst thing happens, that's being subjective. Objectivity is that God can't be beat. God can't get whipped. No matter what I go through, Daniel in the lion's den, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Elijah. Now, did you know that Elijah struggled with anxiety and worry? Elijah, the great prophet, the one that walks along the road, and King Ahab, Queen Elizabeth, King Ahab, the, the, the supreme one in the land, sees him coming and says, Oh, troubler of Israel. Ahab says, Now, we've got prophets of Baal. We've got other prophets. But then this Elijah, this is a bad boy right here. This is a powerful guy. Elijah struggled with anxiety and worry. You know why? Because he wasn't objective. He was at times and he wasn't. Imagine this. No rain. Didn't rain. He was right. He prophesied it didn't rain for three and a half years. Elijah was told to go by the, 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 the brook at Cherith and he goes there and, and he had water from the brook and ravens brought him meat in the morning and the evening to eat. Ooh. Now, <laughs> that's, that's crazy, isn't it? That is going, that is, that is our, that's over the hours or over the effort for God to do that. What do you think? He didn't send a lady out there to help him that time. He didn't send people, didn't send a caterer. He sent birds to feed Elijah. What should Elijah have learned from that? And then he told him to go to the widow Zarephath. And he goes there, and she's there, and she's got a little bottle of oil, a little bottle of flour. And, and Elijah says, man, I've been sent here to stay with you. He says, you reckon you can cook me a cake or something? He said, she said to him, says, me and my boy here, and this is all we've got left. We've got a little bit of flour, and we've got a little bit of oil. This is all we've got left here. And, and I'm going to go in there and cook it for us, and then we're going to die. We're going to die of starvation. And Elijah says, no, you'll, you won't run out of flour or oil. And sure enough, didn't. And the next thing that happens, the widow's son dies. And Elijah goes up there and, and, and lays across the kid, and the kid raises up from the dead. And he, he, he performed that miracle there. God used Elijah to perform that miracle. So here's Elijah, fed by birds, sees that the miracle of the flour and the oil keeps on multiplying enough for everyone. And then the raising of the kid from the dead. And then he goes to Mount Carmel and he has a showdown with all the Baal priests, the prophets of Baal. And, and he builds that ark and they build the ark and they, they cry for fire to come down and, and destroy their, their, their altar. It doesn't happen. Elijah has much water poured on it. And he stands back, and he talked with the Lord, and fire fell and consumed all that burnt offering, all that offering on that altar. Shouldn't one of those four things have given him enough objectivity to trust God? Now, it's gruesome, but they kill all the Baal prophets. 
And then Jezebel hears about it. Jezebel hears about it. And Jezebel tells Elijah, let me tell you something. If I'm lying, I'm dying. That's what Jezebel said in that scripture in verse 3. Is 2 Kings 17. This is 1 Kings 17. This is what he says. She said to him, if I'm not dead by tonight, I'll be surprised because you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead like them prophets. That's what she tells him. You know what he did? He ran for his life. Completely defeated. Completely full of anxiety and worry. Elijah, he, he, he lost his objectivity. I mean, if God did that with the fire, surely God's going to beat Jezebel. If God did that with the widow of Zarephath, surely God can beat Jezebel. Surely God's going to protect me from Jezebel. If, if, if it didn't rain for three and a half years and then it rained, surely God cares enough about the situation, if he's not done with me, that he's going to protect me from Jezebel. But he absolutely lost it. When, when, when anxiety, you may get the most of anxiety. You may put it in the right place. You may live for the Lord in such a way with faith uh, applies, and you're able to feed it. But the moment you lose your objectivity about what is true or what is real, about what really matters, that worry and anxiety will just jump up and bite you. Objectivity. Objectivity. And it comes in all aspects of life. Be objective. Be objective. Learn to practice objectivity. What are you worrying about today? What are you worrying about? What are you anxious about? Lay it at the feet of Jesus and turn loose of it and walk away. He's able. He's powerful. He can take care of you. He can meet every need. We can live with less worry than we walked in here with if we'll just trust him. You can begin the process of being set free from anxiety and worry that controls you. You can do it. Now, you may have to work at it. You've got to apply it. You've got to every single day look at them birds. You've got to every single day consider the lilies. You may have to remind yourself every single day, objectivity, what is true, what is real, what is right. But if you'll begin the process with the Lord and follow what Jesus has to say here with, with, with help from people and who, what God's going to put in your life, you can worry less than you do now. Jesus wants that of you. And here's the deal. We tend to think that the commands, the commandments are don't kill, don't lie, don't commit adultery, you know, don't covet, you know, don't cuss God, those kind of things. But do not be anxious about your life is absolutely ever bit a command as do not murder. Do not murder. It's a command. May the Lord speak today. Father, may your will be done. May you help each one of us to deal with anxiety and worry. I'm sure not one of us are exempt. 
We are all at different stages and different places with worry and anxiety. But Lord, it's very clear today that Jesus wants us not to be controlled with anxiety and worry. And Lord, I just I pray, may it be so in my life and may it be so in others' lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.